Welcome to the 70th episode of the Free Pizza Podcast. Today's guest is Jordan Hernandez, a writer. Enjoy. Wonderful Jordan Hernandez in here. What's up, Jordan? Hi. It's so good. This is this is great because and I'm you know this is probably one of the most uh, the more touching episodes I've done so far because I've known Jordan for probably twenty years and yep. it's just one of those things where you kind of grow up with someone and see them like flourish into something this fantastic that kind of warms your heart. Oh. You know, but that was that that was my nice thing to say during his interview. So. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I remember when you were playing like little league soccer and you named your team the Golden Monkeys. All right, moving (laughs) moving on to the (laughs) moving on to the podcast. Oh my god! I just had to start it off with that, so everyone knows how how far back we go. So before Jordan (laughs) makes me look bad even more, (laughs) Jordan is a freelance writer in Portland. Um, originally from the 336, but she is is doing amazing things out there. Um, but before I say too much, I'll just give the floor over to you. So, um, yeah, tell us what you're doing now, and then we'll go back in time and see how you got there. Sure. So currently, right now, so I do freelance writing, but I also work remotely from Portland for a company in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. So the freelance writing, I do writing for local magazines and papers here in Portland. And I also do some writing for other magazines that are not in Portland. So I do all the freelance on the side. And then for my job job, I do, I'm technically like a copywriter and I'm the head of marketing and industry relations for my company, but I kind of wear a lot of hats in that. So I do a lot of things. Yeah, exactly. Writing is still still my bread and butter throughout all of that though. Absolutely. And I'm super excited to see how you've gotten to work, you know, um, for these publications that are huge. I won't name them yet because I want people to kind of um, get a feeling of where you started until we, uh, before we get to where um, you are now. So yeah. before we get there, um, so tell us what kind of piqued your interest in writing and uh, stuff like that. So pretty much what piqued my interest was originally reading. So when I learned to read, I was consuming like everything in sight. I have a really specific memory of when I learned to read as a kid. I just wanted everything to like be read out loud. Mm -hmm. So I was (laughs) sitting in the kitchen at my parents' house and I remember there was a box of Triscuits on the table and I was so excited that I could read the ingredients list that I think I was annoying them death but it felt kind of like a superpower that I had just acquired so (laughs) pretty much early in elementary school I was reading every book in the library to the point they were ordering more books that I was requesting for them yeah that's crazy yeah so that was that was fun and then when the Harry Potter books came out those just like completely changed my life I made my mom take me to every midnight release for the Harry Potter books and I was 
I was hooked on reading and I was hooked on stories and getting lost in another realm and another world. So from there, I just realized I wanted to tell stories and I wanted to write myself. So I actually started writing in a journal when I was like, I don't know, six or seven probably. And that's been my most consistent hobby in my life. I have kept a journal for over 20 years and everything I write goes in there, usually first before I write it on the computer. So that's I'd say reading just piqued my interest and knowing I could also write those stories too kind of just kept me kept me motivated and wanting to do more. Absolutely, absolutely. So when you make it, you know, and become super famous, more famous than you are now, it started with Triscuits. You know, you heard, <laughs> it, right. here, you heard I, it here first. I will give a shout out to Triscuits when I make it as a like big time writer. <laughs> maybe, maybe they will endorse me. Nabisco is going to definitely sponsor you. I think they make Triscuits. I don't even know. <laughs> um, yeah, I probably should look into that first. <laughs> So moving on to, I guess, more of, I guess, middle school and high school, um, mm-hmm. how was, how were you developing your skills in writing then? Like, were, do you remember taking any classes that kind of stood out to you back then? Yeah. When I was in high school, I did creative writing at Southwest. Mm-hmm. And then when I was a junior, I was on the, like the newspaper oh, for yeah. Southwest and I had a really great teacher who I remember, Mr. Henson. He was great and really kind of gave us the creative freedom to write about like whatever we wanted. And I was one of the youngest people to be on the paper at the time. And I met a lot of like older, I guess they were technically like seniors. So maybe I was a sophomore, but it was really cool to kind of be involved in a community like the newspaper. And even though we were just writing about like local things at the school, it kind of got my foot in the door to do creative writing and like that kind of thing. And then my creative writing class was also really cool because my teacher was also, she just like gave us a lot of freedom to do whatever we wanted. So that kind of made me feel like, oh, I can actually do this thing and, you know, yeah, get real. So that, so I guess at that point in high school, you kind of had an interest in making it like a possibly a, a career path writing, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would say early on college is when I was like, oh, this could be a career because I knew I had the passion and skills to a certain extent. And I remember being in a creative writing class at UNCG mm-hmm. and I had a really cool professor. And one day she pulled me aside after I had like turned an assignment in and she was like, I just want you to know that you're very talented and you have a special gift. And I don't know, that was kind of a turning point for me to take it more seriously and put my work out there. And then at the end of that semester, she pulled me aside again, asked me if she could keep my entire portfolio of stuff I've turned in to use for like teaching for her next several years. So I was like, yeah, that's awesome. And wow, I guess I'm okay at this. Yeah, (laughs) that had had to feel absolutely amazing. Yeah, it was really cool. And I know she was still using it for years to come because she even emailed me like a couple years later, you know, checking in with me. And then from there, I started submitting my work to like small publications and magazines and picking up some freelance jobs. So I was doing that even while I was working, you know, like two or three other jobs to pay my bills. I knew I wanted to write regardless. Absolutely. So let's jump back. I want to jump back to the, the, what you're writing in your journal. So 
Uh, would you say you're writing more like, I guess, your personal life, or were you writing like, you know, stories, or what were you writing mostly in your journals? I was doing a little bit of both. I mean, I honestly looked back at some of my early journals when I was at my parents' house recently, and of course, everyone's always like embarrassed to, to read what you were writing because a lot of it was like about boys that I had crushes on. <laughs> And I knew that I was a really particular writer when I was writing down like every like I had a crush on a boy. I would write down what he was wearing, like everything about him I wanted to remember. So I had that kind of stuff. But then I was also doing like short stories, like little plays. I did some like poems and haikus and stuff like that. But I think it was a mix. I think I started off being like, dear journal, here's my day. I had chicken nuggets for lunch. Also, (laughs) here's a play I've been working on. And, you know, so it was a little bit of both. I feel like I wrote literally everything that came into my head. (laughs) That's amazing. And it's cool because, well, I guess you, I was going to say you came before a time where social media was really a thing and, you know, writing things down physically was still like, you know, I guess cool. But uh, Mm -hmm. did you you use like, you know, like Zanga or like Live Journey or anything like that? Yep, I had a Zanga, and it was when I was obsessed with, like, skateboard boys, so it was, like, pink and black and really horrible. Oh, my God, yes. I never had a live journal. I definitely had the Zanga, and then I even, when MySpace was a thing, I would write bulletins and, like, little blog posts all the time. Uh, I think I had something else too. I can't remember back in that time, like what else was a thing, but I definitely had a Zanga. Oh my gosh. Dude, those were the, those were the golden days. Yes. I was always like, I gotta oh, go home, update my Zanga guys. Like, see you later. <laughs> yeah. Yo, that's, that's like a whole, I can do a whole separate episode just on that. But, um, yeah, so seriously. I want your transition between Southwest and UNCG. <laughs> So when you were deciding what schools to go to and maybe what to study and stuff, what was kind of going through your head? Because obviously that's a vital time in your life of choosing what you want to do with your um, your life in high school. So were you telling your parents, like, I want to be a writer, I want to find a school for writing? Or did you just kind of just go for UNCG randomly or how'd that work? Yeah, I had kind of an unconventional experience because I was never, although I liked to write in high school, I was never really like into school, meaning I didn't really, I didn't make bad grades, but I just was more interested in like other stuff. So for a while I was like, I'm not going to go to college. I'm not going to do that. I actually, my senior year in high school, I took a trip abroad. (laughs) So I went to Africa. That's Um, right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and I did, like, a volunteer project, but it was while I was overseas that I was, like, writing a lot, and that kind of gave me the travel bug of, like, oh, I could write about, like, new places that I go and visit and things that I'm seeing. I was, like, filling up notebooks with, you know, this is my travel experience, this is what I like to do, so I was there for a couple of weeks and I remember telling my parents, like, I, I'm not coming home. I'm not going to go to college. I'm not going to do that. And they were like, well, I don't know if that's a great idea. <laughs> and I was like, this is what I'm going to do. So I kind of told them I wasn't coming home. 
and that didn't really go over well. So eventually I came home. (laughs) Um, But I think that trip was great because although I was volunteering and like doing things there in the community, I also got my first taste of like traveling and how inspiring that can be as a writer to write about a new place and new culture and language and all kinds of stuff. So when I came home, I did say like, all right, I will apply to colleges but I'm only, I already knew I wanted to be a writer. Like my parents knew, everyone knew, but I was like, I'm going to apply to college to be a writer and to get a degree doing that. But I also want to travel and like do that too. So we kind of made a compromise of like, I'll go to school if I can do exactly what I want to do. So that's what I did. And it's been great because it was, it really did give me the bug to like travel and do that kind of stuff. Absolutely. So I'm happy you said that because, you know, that trip, I guess, kind of solidified the fact that, you know, this is the path you wanted to be on. So it's definitely not a bad thing that you took that route. Yeah, for sure. And I did get to go back again and do more volunteer work in the same area. So I just didn't want it to be like, this is my end all be all. I can never come back if I come home. But, you know, I was young. I was like 18. I'd never been out of the country before. So I was like, oh, this could be it. But I mean, that's not true at all. So (laughs) it was great. That's cool. That's cool. So let's jump to UNCG, the best college (laughs) in the world. Um, And it's cool because I remember you this working your ass off because you were had like you had like 19 hour semesters. I did. I remember that vividly. And so let's talk about, I guess, the classes you were taking and kind of overall summary of how those years were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So went to UNCG. I was doing crazy semesters. I did like 18 hours, like over half the time I was there. And I was also working like full time doing like retail and side jobs too. So I got my degree, my Bachelor of Arts in English. And when I got to UNCG, I didn't really realize they didn't technically have a journalism program. So I was like, oh no, what have I done? But they did allow me to focus my concentration in journalism. So the first couple of years, I did a lot of like English classes. I did English lit. I took so many like Shakespeare. I did creative writing. I did a lot of lit classes. And it was fun because I really liked to read, obviously. But some of them were brutal. Like Mm -hmm. I had to do one class. My professor was awesome, but we had to read like Beowulf. (laughs) And one has read Beowulf you know what I'm talking about it was horrible that's why it's super hard to read too yes and the whole I think the whole class was around like Chaucer and Beowulf and I was like this is not my thing I don't love it but my professor was really great and I got to write cool papers about it even though I was like this is painful but so that was cool to be able to still be able to read and do that so I did those mostly for the first two years And then once I was like a sophomore into my junior year, I did more concentrated creative writing, journalism 101. I did, what else did I do? I think I even did something else that had to do with writing, but I took a Judaism class as well, which was kind of unexpected. I just did it on a whim. 
But I got to do a lot of cool research and like I wrote some really cool papers about like the religious like Judaism. So yeah, it was kind of a mixed bag, but ultimately the creative writing classes were what really fueled me at UNCG. And then there was the karate that was around at the time too. Mm-hmm. The lit magazine. So that was a cool outlet to be able to like, you know, look into, help with, go to the meetings. Yep. And I got to meet some cool people in Greensboro that way. So Absolutely. That, was- that that magazine was absolutely amazing. Um, shout out to yeah. the karate. Is that? I think it's still a thing. I think it's a thing again. I think it is too because I was in Greensboro not long ago and I saw it like on somewhere, maybe a Tape Street, and I was like, "Oh wow, it's still going. That's awesome." As it should. That was an amazing creative magazine at UNCG that they had awesome parties and you know mm-hmm. had a lot of great opportunities for writers like yourself and photographers and a whole bunch of different artists. So that's really yeah. badass. Um, yeah. So I'm wondering, because and I'm just curious, because I don't know how how strict or open the curriculum is for you know writing classes. Um, mm-hmm. and you mentioned that some of your professors were pretty open, but can you kind of describe how like your assignments went and how the classroom environment was in those classes? Yeah, the one that I remember the bet that I had the best experience. We the professor gave us complete freedom, but she did assign like prompts. So a lot of the times she'd be like, "Okay, I need a two-page essay on something that has to do with your family, like writing about your family or writing about I don't know a really cool trip you took." So it would be like kind of like simple assignments just to kind of get your like creative juices flowing. But then she would just say, you know, write a story, like a science fiction story that you've never said out loud before. And then that class was cool because we got to do a lot of like peer, peer to peer revisions. So mm-hmm. I would partner with people in the class and we would give feedback that way which was cool because she was still great our papers, but we were getting feedback from other people who were in the same boat as us. And I really thought that was a really, I don't know, it was a good learning experience for me because I was like, oh, it matters a lot the audience I'm writing this for, not just my teacher who's grading it. So it was really open-ended. And then we had to present a final portfolio at the end of almost all of those classes. Yeah. But it was it was really mainly just here's a prompt, write about it, but write about it in a way that's not going to bore me to tears. Because if you do that, you didn't do a good job. <laughs> <laughs> the free piece of podcast is sponsored by Zipster, specializing in custom websites and local design. You don't have to lift a finger to look cool online. Visit Zipster.com and see what they can do for you. I feel like yeah. that's probably one of the hardest parts of being a writer is capturing interest. And you call it, you pretty much have to do it immediately. Um, yes. And obviously, as people are interested, you know, peaked by different things. But, like, I found that to be so difficult when writing papers in college. So, Yeah. And, you know, I am biased, obviously, because I'm a writer. But I will say of all forms of art, and I appreciate and respect artists of every medium, I think writing is the hardest because it's not like being a photographer or an artist where you can give someone a tangible thing for them to see immediately. When you're a writer, people have to actually spend the time reading your words. And, you know, if it's a book or a paper, it takes time. And a lot of people don't have the attention span to sit down and say, oh, I'll read this five page paper or 
500 page book. So it's a hard art for an audience to kind of invest in. Absolutely. So, yeah, you definitely have to keep their interest from the start. So everyone that's not a writer, Jordan has pretty much called us all out of being kind of <laughs> not being on the same level as authors. So That is not true. Everyone has their own hardships. I just think writing is, it's more time consuming <laughs> to, to, I don't know, enjoy, I guess. I'm messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I definitely, I mean, I definitely agree. I mean, I, I think that is just super hard. So, you know, super kudos yeah. to you and your, your writing style is absolutely amazing. But we'll get to your, your style in a minute. Um, so I want to talk about, I guess, you getting to the end of your college career. Like, did you, did you do any internships, you know, before you left UNCG or anything like that? I did. I interned for a woman. She had her own marketing and communications company. She, at the time, was living in Wilkesboro in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. So she needed an intern really bad. And I was like, I don't really know that much about marketing, but I do know, you know, how to write. I'm pretty decent. So she hired me to be her intern. And that was my, I think it was my senior year of college, maybe even the end of my junior year. So that was basically me writing press releases and blog articles, kind of doing website mapping. I had to do a lot of phone calls to like schedule appointments for people. And I made travel books for them because it was some of it was like companies that were going on trips, business trips. So I had to set up meetings and write their travel agenda and books for them. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of random, but it ended up being a really great partnership because that was, mm, I don't know, my senior year. And that woman who gave me the internship is still, she is my current boss for the company I work for now because she has kept in touch and used me as a like resource for her and me as well. For like I don't know eight or nine years now we've worked together and it's because we formed that early on like kind of partnership and so every small project she's even had over the last eight years she's always contacted me to do her work oh wow yeah so the internship at the time I was like oh this sounds cool like I don't know but it ended up being pretty much a lifelong partnership yeah. and a really great connection for me and she has been incredibly kind and patient with me over the years she's taught me how to do you know marketing and press releases and copywriting and kind of taking me under her wing and been a mentor but now we're at the point of where we're like at an equal partnership so it's really been a good opportunity so that's why I always say to everyone like get an internship you never know how it could turn out for you like you have no idea absolutely and that's that's one thing i regret doing not doing when i was there but it's all good you made me feel bad again <laughs> i mean i should have done more in like hindsight i should have done more and i regret that but i didn't do more local stuff yeah but it's okay hindsight is 2020 absolutely Still <laughs> absolutely um cool so let's go to i guess you graduating obviously you had you already had that job in the bag right yes well i had the internship all lined up i originally once i was like in a junior i always was like oh, i'm gonna go to new york and do the writer thing in new york and you know do that Mm -hmm. But I, and I'd visited New York several times, but I remember I went my junior year in college on a trip there 
And I don't know what it was about that trip that kind of solidified, oh, I actually don't see myself here at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I love New York. I still one of my favorite places on the planet. But I thought it was a little too hustle and bustle for me. And I saw the way people had to work. And I knew I had the work ethic to make it work. But I was like, I need to go somewhere else that's still creative, that's a little bit less intense. And then maybe I'll go to New York later. So that kind of shifted for me. And I had been looking into Oregon and to Portland a lot. I was really interested in interning for Kinfolk Magazine at the time. Mm -hmm. And they were offering internships. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go visit Portland. Why not? (laughs) So for spring break, my senior year, I booked a trip out here, came and visited, absolutely fell in love with it here and came back and was like, all right, I'm going to apply for this internship at their magazine and they're going to give it to me and I'm going to (laughs) go. So I was already planning my move. I applied for the internship and they turned me down. Not part of my plan, obviously. (laughs) So I had to make a decision, and I was like, you know what? I'm still going to move because I felt like I had kind of outgrown my time in Greensboro and in North Carolina, and I just wanted a new, a fresh start, a new place. I'm always looking for the next opportunity. So I was like, I'm still going to move. So I moved to Portland like two, three months after I graduated from UNCG, And I was working retail and like really small jobs here. And a month to the day I had been living in Portland, they offered me the fall internship at Kenfolk. So no way. Yeah. So it was definitely like a solidified that I made the right move. But even if they wouldn't have, I'm pretty like I do not give up or not stop until I get (laughs) what I want. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So it's not always a good thing, but I think in terms of ambition and career, like it is a good, it's good to have that drive. So I'm really glad that it worked out. The internship with Ken Polk was amazing. I learned so many things and had kind of hoped that they would take me on after the internship ended, but they were really small staff at the time. They still are, I think. And they were doing like a clothing line in Japan And they were kind of looking into something else in Europe. So they were expanding, but I didn't really know at the time, like what they're, I don't think they knew their plans either. So I was kind of bummed that they didn't offer me a full-time job, but I was like, you know what? I still got this experience and the opportunity. So it was not a wash at all. I made great contacts there. Some people I still keep in touch with, and they're off in Copenhagen now. They're not even in Portland anymore. So. Oh, they they moved the whole thing moved to Copenhagen. Yep, the whole thing is in. I'm pretty sure in Copenhagen now. And then whatever they were doing in Japan, I don't think is is going on any longer. But yeah, they're in Copenhagen doing the thing there now. Oh wow, that's pretty crazy. So <laughs> mm-hmm. it would have been kind of wild if you would have did get that. You know, if you did get that full time gig and they would have upped and left. <laughs> Yeah, that kind of would have been like, oh, wow, all right. So, So you know, hindsight is it's probably best that it didn't Mm -hmm. because I got other opportunities from there, too. So it was a learning experience for sure. Yeah. So tell us, I guess, a little bit of um, about your time there at Kim Folk and what did you do, you know, as a writer and stuff? Yeah, I was a technically an editorial assistant. So at the time... They were 
just starting to transition online a little bit. They still were all like all their stuff was published in a you know paper magazine, but they were starting to transfer over some stuff to online at, at that time. So I helped kind of get some of the stuff that they had already published on their website. I got to write some you know personal essays and stories. They had just rolled out this city guide. Thing where they had people that would go photograph different cities and different places in cities like restaurants and things. So I got to do a lot of those. They were interviews. So I did a couple for like places in California. I did some in Tokyo. I didn't travel to these places. I just conducted the interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did some for Tokyo. I did one in, for someone in Paris. Oh, wow. And yeah, so that was kind of a cool opportunity that I got to start like interviewing people because at that time I had only done it very limitedly. So I kind of learned how to interview other people, questions to ask them, you know, how to make their story interesting. And it was a really eye-opening experience for me because I was like, wow, like people who own these businesses have put so much into it. And now it's my job to like tell their story and tell the world like how amazing their business is. So (laughs) the city guide thing was really cool. I did a bunch of those. Um, I also helped with some photo shoots So we did local. They were also doing a lot of events at the time where people in all kinds of different cities would be mailed like curriculum and things to do and then host like pop-ups and events. So I helped organize some of those. I What else did we do? Yeah, local events in Portland I helped do when they were they were starting that clothing line at the time. I dipped my toe in that a little bit, but that was kind of outside of my realm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I did a lot of writing. I learned really back-end stuff of website design. I am not a designer by any means. I still do not know how to do any of that stuff. But I got to see how it worked and kind of design. I worked with a lot of the designers there and artists and kind of saw how they their process. So I learned a lot from that internship. And it was only like four or five months long and I was working 40 hours a week at the time. I was working seven days a week for those like four or five months because I had a full-time job and on my days off I would go to Kenfolk and do like long shifts there too. That's insane. So this Kenfolk internship was unpaid? Uh, I was paid but it was a very small stipend. I think that over the course of it I probably got like a thousand dollars maybe even less and it was only doled out like a couple hundred dollars every month so oh wow yeah it was really tight for me that was not a fun time in terms of working yes (laughs) I was busting my butt and I was commuting really far on the train to my job so I had like 13 14 hour days a lot of the time Right, and we'll talk about more later of you know, the advice you give people to following these dreams. But like, that's mm-hmm. super impressive, you know, because people are always talk about, you know, I don't know if I would do that because it'd be so hard to, you know, be a writer or be a photographer or be a whatever. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, if you work hard at it, I mean, you can make it work. And you make you work in those long hours and all that, you know, it, it, it came out to be worth it. But gosh, I can only imagine, yeah. you know, at the time you were like, is this worth it? You know, like, why am I doing yeah. this? 
I mean, there was a lot of moments because that was my first year living here. And, you know, most people, when they move to a new city, they're excited to explore their new town and to go do this and make friends. That first year, I did not have the opportunity to really do that, which is it's fine. But, you know, I was working 13, 14 hour days for a long time and I wasn't really able to explore this amazing new place that I live. So there were definite days where I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like I moved across the country and I'm not even getting to enjoy this town that I live in. But I was like, this is only temporary. It's what I am trying to like further my career. It's for the best, you know, just got to keep grinding and, you know, it'll work out eventually absolutely absolutely so before we go forward i want to give you uh, another shout out and um kind of tell y'all what else jordan is in so hearth magazine and huffington post which is absolutely amazing and okamley hope i hopefully i said that correctly okamley magazine and portland supply and about face magazine and you know travel organs um magazine and all that so i'm wondering how can you kind of bridge the gap of how you got to, you know, to where you're writing for these publications? Yeah. So a lot of people ask that, you know, as a writer, like, how do you get published? And that's not at all a dumb question because yeah, like, what do you even do? So a lot of it is just getting like, you know, I, a lot of these places I consume already. Like I follow them on social media or I've seen them, their website and I liked what they were doing. And then I would just research. I would look at the kind of writing that they had already published and like the kinds of things that they have. And then I would just send them an email and say, hey, I'm a writer. I'm really interested in submitting a pitch for you or an article. You know, what is your process? If it wasn't on their website, I would always ask, you know, what's your process? You know, do you accept any kind of pitch? Do you have themes? Or, you know, how does that look? And most of the time they would respond and not every time were they accepting pitches or things like that. And then I would always send them, you know, when you're starting out, it's really hard to prove that you're a writer if you don't have published things. Mm -hmm. So I tried to build up a small portfolio of like three to five things I was really proud of that I'd been published in and then send those along with my pitch to say like, hey, I, I have written before here's some of my work. And then for a lot of those, you know, especially ones here in Portland, a lot of places will say we need pitches on X, Y, and Z. Like we need someone to go interview this person at that restaurant or pitch an idea about food or music. And from there you kind of have it narrowed down a little bit more like, Oh, I just saw this new restaurant that opened over here. Let me see if they'd be interested in hearing a story about it and just kind of go from there. But I do feel like for other magazines that aren't quite as specific, if you just say, hey, I have this really interesting idea about a personal essay I'd like to write, would you be interested in seeing the final copy when I'm done? A lot of people will say yes, even if they don't publish it or they're like, oh, it's not a great fit, they'll still read it and let you know, yeah, yes or no. So I think kind of knowing what you want to write about is the key, not really just contacting a magazine and be like, hey, can I write for you? I don't know about what, just something. Uh, so kind of having an idea and I think knowing the, the audience that you're writing for for that magazine or publication is 
a really big step to do before you reach out to them because if you write them an article about something they have no business <laughs> publishing, they're going to be like, do you even read who we write for? <laughs> so I spent a lot of time reading and kind of navigating what kinds of things that they would accept or not accept at all. And then tailoring it to that and then saying, Hey, here's a story. If you want it, you're welcome to have it. A lot of places do not pay you. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you kind of have to know that going in, especially as a new writer, it is a fine line to walk because you don't want to be taken advantage of, but you also want your name out there and the exposure. So it's kind of a mixed bag. Free Pizza is sponsored by the Center for Visual Artists, also known as CVA. We are a nonprofit arts organization that supports local emerging artists as well as the Greensboro arts community. Please come visit us at 200 North Davies Street in Greensboro, North Carolina, inside the Cultural Arts Center in downtown. That's crazy. So I'm like imagining people who are pursuing this, you know, career, just throwing so much bait, just, you know, just hoping, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that seems like a very vigorous um, process. So I'm wondering how, what was your reaction when your your first pitch got taken? Whoa, I was so happy <laughs> and kind of shocked. I don't even, I honestly do not remember my first publication in something major because a lot of it was happening around the same timeline or in the same couple of years. I do know when that independent magazine, Hearth Magazine, yes. they were really receptive to an idea I had about a story about my grandmother. And I think it just really touched them. And from there, they would contact me every time they had a new issue coming out and say, hey, would you write a story? Here's the theme. And everything I submitted, they accepted because we kind of built a relationship up to the point of where they didn't even really edit my stuff, which is a huge deal for a writer. You know, like you submit something knowing it's going to get mutilated and like chopped into bits and then sent back to you (laughs) saying, here, make these edits. So it was a really good experience being able to be like, wow, they are really invested in me as a writer and want to continue this relationship and include me in everything that they, you know, bring out. So I was really, really honored to be published in something like that. And yeah, I don't know. I think it is an honor for any writer to be published. It's a huge deal. Absolutely. I would, I think I would freak out, honestly. Um, <laughs> like, you want my, want my idea? Awesome. Yes, I knew it was great, but wow. You know, so, <laughs> but that's absolutely so cool, Jordan. And I remember specifically reading the Huffington Post um, piece that you had. I was so happy for you when I read that. I'll never forget it. I was like, oh my God, my friends are Huffington Post. You know? <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. And there was definitely a moment too. This is kind of funny. I have a really, I don't remember, you know, like where I was and what I was doing when I found out about some of these, but I do remember <laughs> whenever I was published in that magazine in London, O'Cumley Magazine. I, they're based in London and they're all like all their stuff is international, but I didn't, I got my copy in the mail, but you know, I was like, Oh, that's cool. But I remember I had a friend who was in London on a trip and I was like, Hey, you know, I had this magazine that I was published in. You should look for it. And I remember I was on the bus 
on my way to Popeye's chicken. Oh, wow. And she sent me a picture of my article in some random store in London. And I was on the bus and I cried because I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, I always knew my work was international and published over there. But just to have someone see it in the, in the wild yes. and send it to you while you're just going about your day, going to Popeye's Chicken, like, that's a really <laughs> surreal moment. <laughs> That's great. Chicken is always disconnected to all the great things. That's and right. That had to be such a surreal. I bet that chicken tasted so much better after you you got that. Yes, taste. soaked in my tears. I just mopped it up with my tears. <laughs> Joy. That's amazing, Joy. You know, I was like, all that is just, all this is well deserved. I mean, hearing what you've gone through to get to where you know you're writing for these publications is, is so well deserved. You know, and I think it's incredible. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, of course, of course. So. Tell us and kind of give us a, a cre- I wonder how your creative process is, is when you are writing these pieces. So as far as you doing research and, you know, writing down notes and how, so how are you um, writing these pieces from beginning to end? Yeah, every, I think every writer has their own process and style. I am very old school. I still write everything. Like I said earlier, I write everything down on pen and paper, I do a lot of research. So if I'm interviewing a person or like a restaurant, I will always, you know, do my research before I go, make sure I have all my questions prepared. I have like read up on them, read other articles that other people have written about it as well. So kind of know the style and what has been said or, and then that gives me an opportunity to say something different that might not have been said about a place or a person. So I try to do a lot of research. I do take a lot of notes. If I am writing a personal essay, sometimes I write chunks here and there. Um, I will write stuff down when I think about it. So if I'm out and about, I will write it on a napkin or (laughs) a receipt or as a note on my phone. And then it kind of lets me put it all together when I'm home you know, really in the mood and trying to get in the in the zone to write it. So I also think my process has a lot to do with like, I don't know, certain times. Cause there are certain times in my life or in the month where I will write a lot every day, all day, or like most of the day. And then there's times where I don't write for a couple of weeks. So I think it comes and goes in waves. And I do think changing my environment, cause I work from home right now. Mm-hmm. So I try to, if I know I want to write something specific, I need to change my environment to do good writing. So I try to leave my house and like, you know, go work from a coffee shop or somewhere that's not here and try to do writing there. I do also find that I get a lot of writing done on airplanes, which is really, really random. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, you're kind of just sitting there. You can't really do much else. So I get a lot of great writing done on airplanes and sometimes in the car. Yeah, yeah. I also drink a lot of coffee, tea. Yes. certain music that I like, usually like piano and jazz music to get me in the zone, watch certain things on TV, like the Great British Bake Off soothes me. Absolutely. So put that in the background. I take a lot of walks 
and find that that is helpful in my process, kind of getting my body moving and being outside. I don't know. Something yeah. about that's helpful for me. Absolutely. Oh, breathing fresh air is always helpful. I think in anything you're doing. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, that's, I mean, that's crazy how, you know, being a freelancer that you really have to be so self-motivating and, you know, you doing yes. those things is, you know, super helpful. Um, so For sure. I'm guessing in times of writer's block, um, how do you kind of handle those? Uh, writer's block is the worst thing in the world for a writer. It is a challenge. I find that a lot of it for me as a writer also hinges kind of on like the time of the year, if it's a really busy time of the year or seasonally. Because in Portland, you know, it rains for like eight months of the year. So sometimes that can be great for me and my writer's block. I was like, oh, I'll be inside. I'll just write all day. And then sometimes I'm like, it is so depressing to even look outside and it's getting dark at like 4 p.m. I cannot sit down and write something right now. Mm-hmm. So when that happens, I really try. Well, first I try to like give myself grace because I'm like, you know what? This happens to everybody. Every artist, every writer has moments, months, maybe, maybe even years where they cannot create something. And I think it is totally normal, especially right now with the way the news is, everything is very overwhelming. It's easy to get overwhelmed by things that have nothing to do with your writing, but still feel, you know, stunted. So I try really hard to do things that I feel will bring inspiration. So for me, traveling is a really big source to get me out of a creative rut Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I'm in a new environment. Often I'm in a new place. And, you know, as a writer, you observe things every time you go out into the world. So going to a new place, you're filled with a sense of, wow, I've never seen this before. I've never smelled this smell or seen this So I'm going to write it down right now. Mm -hmm. So I find that that is really, really helpful for me, even if I'm going to a place I've already been or to a place that's like an hour away from here. It doesn't really matter where. It is very helpful for me to just be in a new environment and just be able to say, oh, I saw this today. And even if I write a paragraph, it does not matter. I have still written something that I can feel proud that I have done. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, and all that is so true, true for me too. And it's, I think one of the hardest things about being a creative is knowing when to take a step back, you know, and cause you think in your head, like, no, this is my life and passion. Not, you know, I need to just do it. You need to grind 24 seven. And it's like, you know, it's so healthy for you to just put the pen down, the, the camera down, the, the paintbrush down and just kind of like, just focus on something else for a bit. So yes that's true and like people who aren't artists don't always understand they're like oh that should be really that should come second nature to you but being an artist and being a writer is the same as any other job you get burnout from it you feel overwhelmed you know you need to change things up or you need to work at doing something else Mm -hmm. i think that's something that i've also learned a lot in the last few years is You should write often if you want to be a writer or any other kind of art. You have to do the thing to be that thing. But also, you need to find other things that really fill you up in a creative sense. It doesn't even have to be, you know, like, oh, I'm a writer, so I'm going to try to be a painter. Although, sure, why not? 
But I think pursuing other passions and things that you, that push you is a really, I don't know, it's important. Like this year I was like, you know what? I'm going to learn how to box because I just really want to. (laughs) So I joined a box gym at the beginning of the year and it has absolutely nothing to do with writing at all, but it pushes me to get out of my head and to think about something else. And my body is moving and is focused on that. And that in, t- in turn helps you be a better writer and a better artist. I like that. I might have to start doing that too. Or just fight yeah. fight Jacob. That's what I'm going to start doing. Exercising <laughs> <laughs> um, is a really great way to get your body and your mind in it on the same page, I will say. It's crazy how exercise is so connected to literally every aspect of your life. It is so true. I wish more people understood that but i think you know once you start doing it then you start to be like oh like this really does help in every area in my life right right exactly so <laughs> as far as present day are you still just kind of throwing bait out to these publications or are you mentioned um hearth you and them have a perfect relationship to where you can um you know you write for them often but what about these other ones are you still throwing bait out or how's it working yeah, so Hearth actually kind of discontinued a couple of years ago oh. because they the editors were moving and like doing other things. So that was kind of sad, but also, you know, I totally respected that decision to do that. And so right now I am doing freelance. I'm doing a lot of local stuff right now. So in Portland, you know, we have local papers and magazines and things. So I actually just pitched like a dozen or so things in the last couple of weeks because it's that time of the year where they're kind of needing more stuff. So I'm working on that. I am also working on there is a local nonprofit organization here in Portland called the Oregon Humanities and they have a magazine, but they also do a lot in the community, like hosting public conversations. They do a lot of art. So they have just um, announced that they are accepting applications for a fields artist fellowship. And it would be a two year fellowship program to help fulfill what they call the opportunity gap within the state of Oregon. Yeah. So it is um able to be applied to by an artist of any kind you know writer painter photographer musician and it'll be two years and they will give the recipients a hundred thousand dollars to you know do the art and fulfill that in the community so when i used to volunteer and work at a local domestic violence shelter here i always had the idea that i wanted to put together kind of like a zine for people like survivors of domestic abuse and domestic violence and give them an outlet to tell their story and to instill in children and adults the like power of art and writing especially for people that are you know dealing with trauma so I actually just started working on my application for this fellowship a couple of weeks ago and it's due in January so it's a really different kind of project than I've ever thought about pursuing or wanting to do, but it kind of combines all the things that I like, which is writing and teaching creative writing to others, especially kids who are learning about art and being involved directly in my community, which I consider to be one of the most important things to do. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm working on currently. It's going to be a long process and I won't even find out until... I want to say may if i'm accepted they're accepting four people 
Oh, but wow. I, I am putting my focus on right now. And it's something that I feel really, really proud and good about. So that's so cool. So many things. Mm-hmm. I guess, like I said, as being a writer, you kind of got to try everything. And that all, all that sounds absolutely incredible. So we're definitely rooting for you. Oh, thank you. I will keep you guys updated to let you know how it goes. So yes, fingers please. crossed, good vibes, well wishes are all welcome in that area. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So you mentioned doing those things, but do you have like a kind of like an end goal, like a place you want to be, you know, with your writing? Do you want to maybe run a magazine one day or do you want to you know work at a firm or do you have any ideas i have a lot of ideas there's a lot of things that i want to do and i feel like you know when people are always like you know what's your dream job i feel like that is a loaded term especially like nowadays with the internet being so accessible i feel like i have so many for being honest i have so many dream jobs and ambitions um but i feel like Pursuing travel writing full time someday, either for a magazine or a website or, you know, something even more substantial would be a dream and a hopeful ambition of mine. Um, Being also getting involved with like a publishing house, like a book publishing and being an editor, assistant editor and getting paid to read other people's book proposals and work all day long would be fantastic so that's kind of something that i think i would work toward towards the end and i am working on my own kind of like personal memoir book as well and i'd like to have that published and then you know write several books someday so kind of what i want i just want to be able to remain telling other people's stories and engage in my community you know teaching creative writing here helping instill writing for kids and for people who have never done it before. Um, that's kind of my goal, you know, just keep going. Absolutely. And, you know, the beautiful thing about just you and, you know, how things going today is that, I mean, there's no limits, you know, you can do yeah. all those things, which is so great. Um, and I definitely am rooting for you. And we are both are, we know you're going to do it and we can't wait to see it. That means so much. Thank you. Of course, you. you know I've had your back for 20 years. You, know? <laughs> you have. I, I've been here. That's so true. Um, so before we bounce, and you've obviously given us a bunch of uh, kind of advice throughout, you know, in your own, on your, within your own experiences and journeys. But um, yeah, give us like a for the people who are maybe, you know, iffy on writing or creating or just doing anything in, in the art field. Give us some advice for the up and comings and the amateurs and the ones who are kind of iffy about it? So my advice for, especially for fellow writers or people that are looking to get involved is I cannot stress enough how important it is to write every day or not even, it doesn't have to be every day, but as often as possible. You know, even if it's just a sentence, a paragraph, a page, like stretch those writing muscles and write down every detail for something, you know, down to the color of shirt someone's wearing while it's still fresh on your mind. Because, you know, being a writer means we notice things most people usually don't. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I write things down on a napkin if I have nothing else. So just write it down, you know, pitch and submit your work to anybody who is willing to read it or anyone that piques your interest, even if they don't respond, you know, Don't get discouraged by rejections or timelines. Just 
keep working. And another thing that is something I really feel strongly about is get off social media is what I really, I know social media is so great for networking, sharing your work, but it can also be such a hindrance because it sucks up so much of your time. And a lot of people find themselves comparing their work and other people's successes to theirs. And it can be really discouraging. Yep. So maybe not get off social media, but really be careful about the time you're spending on there and why you're on there and using it for good instead of allowing it to make you feel worse about your art because everyone has a different timeline and different things that have worked for them or not. So just use it very, very intentionally and, you know, don't let other people tell you that you're not an artist. Like don't undersell yourself, take risks, draw the line between giving your work away for free and getting the exposure. And yeah, just find things that inspire you. Like I said, outside of your one main thing, just find things that light you up and set your soul on fire and just keep grinding, keep doing things, get involved in the community, mm-hmm. learn new things. I love it. I love it. Especially the community aspect. That's one thing that people have to do is you kind of have to start where you are as a creative. And I think yes. people are too focused on you know the social media thing and, you know, focus on focusing on these things that aren't currently around them. And that's so dangerous to do. Um, yes. But yeah. I love that. That is some great advice. And wow. What is a an amazing interview um, oh thank you i'm so glad we got to talk and i am so excited that you guys are doing your thing yeah. and you know highlighting other people because like i said it's always important to lift up other people that inspire you and you know yeah give them their props where it's due absolutely and jacob and i just know we have such amazing hardworking people around us and this you know people like you are what makes this a thing so i can't thank you enough for doing this with us Oh, thank you guys. Of course. Um, before you go, give us um, or tell us where we can find you on the internet. Yeah. So my Instagram is ink and compass, like I N K and compass. Uh, I'm on Twitter, although I don't use it that much. Uh, Jordan M. Hernan. And my website is Jordan M. Hernandez.com. Awesome. And we're going to post all those links. And also on our website, um, we'll post a link to that where you can find all her work and you can click the links and actually read what she's um, done for these different publications. Yeah. Um, but yes, this has been amazing. And hopefully listeners have taken something from this interview. I know I have. Um, and make sure you guys follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all those things. Um, and that is it. Thank you so much, Jordan. Yay! Thank you, guys. I loved talking to you. It's been great. It's been great talking to you. You know, we, you know, go, we go way back, so this is uh, really, really nice for me. Oh, I'm glad. So glad. Of course. Well, that will do it for us. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye, Talk Jordan. to you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.